Good morning. Let us begin. Let us prepare our hearts for worship together today as we turn to the Lord in prayer. Come among us once again, O Lord, for we have come to hear your word and your wonderful works. We have come to see and hear the living word. Christ himself. Teach us this day to hear with humble ears. Help us to put away the worries of our lives for just one hour so that we can focus all of our energy and all of our thoughts on you. Help us to love your wisdom and to be wise as you are wise, not as the world is wise. For the world chases after temporary gains and selfish ends, but you, O God, You chase after our souls because you long to love us and to be loved by us. We do love you, O God. And so we put aside today our worldly ambitions and we seek to hear you speak. Open our ears that we may hear. Open our eyes that we may see. And open our hearts that we may feel. Amen. Join me in our responsive reading for today, titled Grace. Faithful and loving God, we bring our fragmented lives into the presence of your wholeness. 
We give you thanks because even in the moments of great anxiety, when the threads of our lives are hanging loose, we can be confident that you are with us. We confess that we have labored under the assumption that the way to find rest for our souls is to finish our list of things to do and present it to you like a book. We forget that your grace envelops us. In your mercy, Lord, we claim your grace. Amen. Let's stand and sing. This is from our new hymnal, Come Ye Sinners, Poor and Needy, page 471. Children, come on down. Oh, I'm sorry. I'm ahead. He's ahead. We change things up and everybody gets discombobulated. <laughs> Greetings, everyone. We're, we welcome you here. We're glad that you're here. I'm glad anybody's here today looking around. Uh, somebody said just a moment ago, we got two strikes against us. It's Labor's Day weekend and it's raining. <laughs> and so if you needed an excuse not to be at church, you have uh, several of them here. But I'm glad that you didn't make an excuse for not being here today. And you are here to worship God together. And we welcome you. We're glad that you are here this morning. Um, we, let me remind everyone of the attendance sheets on, that are on each row. We'd like to ask if you would to take that and to fill it out so we can have a record of your attendance with us. Uh, but as you do that, or uh, before you do that, uh, let us stand and greet each other in the name of the Lord this morning. Children, as we do this, come on down. Miss Mary will be here for our children's moment. Come on down, children. They are down. We're low on It's a very small group today, and that's okay. That means that everybody out there gets to answer these questions along with you all. How's that? Oh, those guys too? Those are my assistants today. Our, it, it, these are our adopted sons, our extended family. Gracie and Jerry, what do you think? We're off school tomorrow. Yeehaw. And 
As you can see, like Dr. Tim said, there's a lot of people here because typically this is what we call the last weekend of summer. And there's a holiday tomorrow. What holiday is that? Do you know? Yeah. Labor Day. All right. Did you know what, Gracie? Did you know that people that work, they matter to God a whole lot? Did you know that? They do? Yeah. Let's look at this Bible verse. Jerry, you might have to help me read it. It's Colossians, you don't want to? Colossians 3, verse 23. Whatever you do, work at it with all your heart as working for the Lord, not for men. You know what? There's a person in our family. There's only two of us at work, and it's not me, so it must be John. He loves what he does for work. He's almost annoying he likes it so much because <laughs> he takes pictures, and he loves it. And that's the way work is supposed to be. God wants us to enjoy our work, okay? Now, I've got some helpers up here. But you guys, this is a guessing game, and you guys can play too. There are so many different jobs. We're going to see, without these guys saying a word, if you can tell what they're pretending to be. And first is my helper, Matthew. Okay? Now, Jerry and Gracie, I want you to watch Matthew and see if you can tell me what he's trying to be. He's trying to do some kind of job. Yes, sir? Well, he might be trying to do that, but he also has some kind of career that he would use pencils and a ruler, and if he would, he would try to write, what kind of career would he be? Somebody help out there. John. Teacher. He's a teacher. Very good. All right. All right, Matthew, assistant, you come over here. All right, now here comes Jake. Now, this might be pretty easy to guess what Jake is. Okay? Let's see here. Stay silent. Uh oh. He's a police officer. Very good. Okay. All right. Now, here's the last one to our other son, Dimitri. Guess what he is, Gracie. Guess what this guy is. Bum, a bum. It's a bum, but what is he? What's he doing? I heard it. He's a fireman. All right, assistants, you can sit down. Oh, my goodness. All right. Gracie, I know. All right, let's think about different types of jobs. God gives people many types of work, but they are all important and they help other people. Okay? Now, we're going to see what God says about work in the Bible. Jerry, you want to read this one? You want to come up and use the microphone? Okay. In Proverbs chapter 14, verse 23, it says, All hard work brings a profit, but mere talk leads only to poverty. Now, what does that mean? It's kind of hard to understand, isn't it? Do you think it's the way our world works? Working hard will make your life easier and it'll allow you to help others. Why do we work? Of course, we want the paycheck, right? Yeah, we want the money, but we... We have to buy food. We have to pay for our housing. We have to buy our clothes. But we also hopefully earn a job that we help other people, right? All right. And the last one I want you to think about, did you know that Jesus had a job to do while on earth and he's still doing that job now? Did you know Jesus worked very hard? What, is, what was his job? He's taking care of us. He is taking care of us. Jerry, I knew you would be awesome at this. He's teaching us how to show others, isn't he? And look at this last verse in um, Luke chapter 19, verse 10. For the Son of Man came to seek and to save what was lost. Now, this is the last thought I'm going to leave you with, okay? Jesus did the hardest job ever. Do you have any idea what that job was? What was his very hardest job ever? That's hard sometimes. It really is. But his hardest job that he did for us was he died on the cross so that we would get to know God better, okay? So when we celebrate Labor Day tomorrow, think of how God wants us to work in helping others. 
All right. Gracie, you can go with Kelsey if you'd like. And Jerry and I, we're going to go up to Kurt's room today. Thank you. like to read along with me, we're reading in Matthew chapter 16, verses 21 through 27. From that time on, Jesus began to show his disciples that he must go to Jerusalem and undergo great suffering at the hands of the elders and chief priests and scribes and be killed. And on the third day raised. And Peter took him aside and began to rebuke him, saying, God forbid it, Lord, this must never happen to you. But he turned to Peter and said, Get behind me, Satan. You are a stumbling block to me. For you are setting your mind, not on divine things, but on human things. Then Jesus told his disciples, If if any want to become my followers... Then let them deny themselves, take up their cross, and follow me. For those who want to save their life will lose it. And those who lose their life for my sake will find it. For what will it profit them if they gain the whole world but forfeit their life? Or what will they give in return for their life? For the Son of Man is to come with his angels in the glory of his Father, and then he will repay everyone for what has been done. Heavenly Father, thank you for today. Thank you so much for this much-needed rain. Lord, we want to be your followers. Please help us deny ourselves, take up our cross, and follow you. In Jesus Christ's name we pray. Amen.
Join me as we pray. Lord, we come this day to you giving thanks for the work that you've given us and thanks to you for our abilities to do the work. We pray for those who are in spiritual need, physical need, economic need, and those in the church and without the church who are hurting and need the presence of Christ in their life. We give thanks for all the blessings that you've given us and bless these tithes and offerings. Amen. I want to begin this morning by asking what uh, is probably an obvious question, and here it is. Have you ever had a setback, a defeat, or a screw-up in your life? Has that ever happened to you? Uh, playwright Oscar Wilde once commented after a disastrous opening night that his play was a great success, but the audience was a miserable failure. I guess that's one way of handling defeat, just cast the blame elsewhere. Uh, Winston Churchill had the same ability to spin a setback into something else. He was once asked what's the, what most prepared him to, to lead England through World War II, and his reply was, it was the time I repeated a grade in, in, uh, in elementary school. So his questioner asked him, you, you mean you flunked a grade and... Churchill responded to that by saying, I never flunked anything in my life. I was simply given a second opportunity to get it right. Well, you know, that's a, that's a pretty good way to think about it. Just look at it as a second opportunity to get it right. Well, Simon Peter knew about second chances. You may remember from a couple of weeks ago that Jesus and his, asked his disciples, who do people say the Son of Man is, and they replied, some say that you are John the Baptist, others say that you are Elijah, and still others say that you are Jeremiah or one of the prophets. So Jesus asked them, but what about you? Who do you say that I am? And it was Simon Peter who answered, you are the Messiah, the Son of the living God. And that's when Jesus lavished 
Peter with accolades of profound praise for his answer. Blessed are you, Simon, for this was not revealed to you by flesh and blood, but by my Father in heaven. And I tell you that you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church. Well, today's lesson comes immediately after that scene. Jesus tells us that from that time on, Jesus began to explain to his disciples that he must go to Jerusalem. He must suffer many things at the hands of the the elders and the chief priests and the teachers. And he must be killed and on the third day be raised to life. Well, at this, Matthew tells us that Simon took Jesus aside and began to rebuke him. Now, can you imagine anyone rebuking the Messiah? Simon Peter had just proclaimed that Jesus was the son of the living God, and now he is rebuking him. Never, Lord, he said, this shall never happen to you. Well, you know what happens next. Jesus turns to Peter and says, get behind me, Satan. You're a stumbling block. You are setting your mind on human things and not on the will of God. What a turnaround. It takes Peter only seven verses to go from being the rock upon which Christ will build his church to being the voice of Satan tempting Jesus to avoid the cross. You know, that's one reason I love the Bible so much. There's no effort there to sanitize these stories. There is no effort there to make these biblical characters any holier than they actually were. And Peter is a great example of that. One moment Peter proclaims Jesus as the Messiah, and the next moment he is telling Jesus how to go about his business. One moment he's in the garden defending Jesus with a, with a sword, and the next moment he is denying with a curse that he even knew him. One moment he is in, in hiding as his master is being crucified on that terrible cross. And the next he is proudly proclaiming Christ's message to thousands of people on the day of Pentecost. That's Peter. That is Simon Peter. But even more important, I think. That's us. We are just like him. Up and down in and out, defending and denying. That's us. I think most of us can probably identify with this fickle disciple. And when he, when he looked back on it, I'm sure that, that Simon probably regretted trying to correct Jesus, as he did. But, but we all do that, don't we? We all say dumb things from time to time. We all take our feet and shove them firmly into our mouths. Barbara Bush, in her memoirs, described one of her most embarrassing moments. It seems that when her husband was vice president, she went with him on an official visit with Emperor Hirohito at Japan's Imperial Palace. They were having lunch together. She was seated next to the emperor, and Mrs. Bush recalls that trying to carry on a conversation with him was was terribly difficult. It was an uphill battle. To all her efforts at, at verbal engagement, the emperor would simply smile and answer, yes, or no. And an occasional thank you was tossed in. And so in her attempt to, to engage him in conversation, she looked around at her elegant surroundings and Mrs. Bush complimented him on his official residence. Thank you, he said. Is it new? asked Mrs. Bush. And Hirohito said, yes. Was the old palace just so old that it was falling down around you? asked Mrs. Bush. And in his most charming and yet regal manner, Hirohito replied, No, I'm afraid that you bombed it. <laughs> Oops. <laughs> 
Mrs. Bush doesn't regard that as one of her finest moments. But, you know, we've all done it, haven't we? At the least appropriate time, we have blurted out something that we just wish we could take back. Did I really say that? Did I really stick my foot into my mouth that deeply? Just like when Peter rebuked Jesus. But the truth is that that Peter cared about his friend and his teacher. He didn't want to, to see him suffer and die. But something else was bothering Peter. Because he was also wondering, how could the Messiah be put to death? That just didn't make sense to Peter. Peter was impetuous and a little impertinent in his rebuke of Jesus. But you know something? He was being honest. Never, Lord. This will never happen to you. You're the Messiah. How could this be? The very idea that the, of the Messiah suffering and being put to death in such a terrible manner was something that, that just shook the foundation of Peter's faith. He did not understand how this could, could possibly happen. And I think if we're honest about it, there's probably a lot about our own faith that we don't understand. And there's probably some things about our own faith that bothers us. If that were not the case, why are we not out there turning this world upside down with our zeal for the gospel? Why are we so anemic in our witness for Christ? Someone once told a parable about a town where all the citizens loved and admired the fire chief and its crew. One day, the alarm went off and the chief and his crew hurried out to their wagon to race towards the burning building. But as they were approaching the the building, a part of the the way, the, the road was blocked completely. It seems that hundreds of citizens were standing out in the street holding squirt guns. And occasionally the people would turn in the direction of the fire and shoot off their tiny little water guns. But the chief yelled at them, what are you doing? What are you trying to accomplish here? And the citizens replied, well, we've all gathered here to to support your efforts. We all believe in the good work that you're doing there and you're doing a great job. And each of us has come to make our humble contribution. The people in the crowd then smiled at each other and looked at the direction of the fire and squirted some more water from their squirt guns. In disbelief, the fire chief looked at them and said, Get out of here! Fires like this are not for well-meaning people who want to make a limited contribution. This kind of situation demands firemen who are ready to risk their lives to put out these flames. Well, folks, I wonder how often, rather than using fire hoses, do we stand around squirting our water pistols? And why do we do that? Well, it's probably because we're a lot like Simon Peter. Sometimes we're up and sometimes we're down. Sometimes we're convinced and sometimes we're confused. Sometimes we are a soldier in God's army and sometimes we're AWOL. And to this I say, thank God for grace. After Christ confronts Peter about his comments, Jesus spells out what is facing those who would give their lives completely to him. And Jesus says to them, whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves, take up their cross and follow me. For whoever wants to save their lives will lose it. And whoever loses their life for me will find it. Folks, this is heavy stuff. What Jesus is saying here is that fighting the fire with a squirt gun is not going to cut it. Jesus expects us to be totally committed. He says here that if we want to follow him, we must take up our cross. In August of 2003, the Church of the Holy Cross in New York City was broken into twice. In the first event, thieves made away with a a metal money box. And then three weeks later, later, vandals um, came and escaped with something that's much more puzzling. 
You see, being a, a Catholic church, there was a large crucifix behind the altar, and the thieves actually took the time to unbolt the four-foot-long, 200-pound plaster Jesus from the crucifix and left the cross behind. The caretaker says they just decided we're, we're going to leave the cross and take Jesus. We don't know why they just took Jesus. We figured if you want the crucifix, you'll take the whole thing. But you know something? If you think about it, it makes a lot of sense. You see, many people would rather have Jesus and leave his cross behind. You see, Jesus represents forgiveness and grace. Jesus is that divine friend who accepts us as we are and, and hears our prayers and helps us in our times of need. And who, and who wouldn't want a, a friend like Jesus? But His cross, on the other hand, that represents discipline and self-denial. The cross represents service. And sacrifice. The cross represents taking our eyes off of ourselves and putting them on those for whom Christ died. And that is an entirely different matter. The fact is that for many of us, we want Jesus. But we're not all that sure about taking up His cross. I heard of about a seminary student who served as a part-time pastor of a certain church, and he led his church to do what he believed Christ was calling all Christians to do. He led his church to reach out to all people, including those who were different from us, socially, ethnically, economically, racially. And some of those people started to attend his church, but, but then... Some of, the most, some of the more influential members of his church began to be concerned because of those people who were attending their church. And so the pastor said, well, this is what the Great Commission says that we are to do, isn't it? This is our responsibility. Jesus told us to go out and make disciples of all people. But this young pastor received so much opposition to the whole idea of reaching out to all people, that he decided that he would put the Great Commission to a vote. Do we support it or not? Well, that sounds kind of funny, doesn't it? Voting on Jesus' command to his church to go out and make disciples of all people. This sounds, like, this sounds kind of like Simon Peter admonishing Jesus in our lesson for today. But that's exactly what they did. And guess what happened? The church actually voted it down. Can you imagine? They voted down Jesus' great commission. One pastor says that he heard about this and all he could do was shake his head in disbelief. And then he realized that there are churches all over the place who have already voted down the great commission by their apathy and their nonchalant attitude towards taking up the cross of responsibility for others. So that they can truly follow Jesus. There are people who call themselves Christians all around the world who have already voted against the Great Commission by their don't care attitude regarding their responsibilities for service in the kingdom of God. So you see, those thieves, are, they're not the only ones who want to take Jesus, but not his cross. That's our temptation as well. Peter backslid in a hurry when he was first confronted with the message of Christ's cross. And we're a lot like him. But fortunately, that's not the end of this story. For you see, after Jesus' resurrection, Peter had an encounter with the risen Christ. And the man who had been so fickle in his faith suddenly became a solid rock of Christian discipleship. And that can happen to us as well. Alan Emery, in his book titled The Turtle on a Fence Post, tells a story from his childhood. He was taking a, a train trip with his parents. And on this trip, he noticed that there was a porter moving about the, the cars with a, a pronounced limp. 
The porter told young Emery that he had an ingrown toenail that had become infected and it was very painful. And well, during breakfast the next morning, Emery's father made a comment as to the way the porter was walking and how he seemed to be in a lot of pain. And so Emery filled, filled him in about the ingrown toenail. And then after breakfast, Emery went to the observation car to just kind of hang out for a while. And he returned to their car about a half an hour later. To, and as he did, he saw the porter coming out of his parents' drawing room. The porter walked towards him. And as he did, Emery noticed that he had great tears falling from his cheeks. He went into the lounge and he sat down on the bench and he put his, his hands over his face and, and he cried. He wept bitterly. And so Emery sat down next to him and he, and he was particularly concerned since the porter had just come from his parents' accommodation. So he, so he asked him, are you crying because your toe hurts so much? And the porter said, no, it's because of your daddy. He went on to tell Emery that his father had approached him to, to ask about his toe. And his father told the porter that he was not a doctor, but he felt like he might be able to help. The porter was reluctant at first, but, so he, but he went into the drawing room and, and he exposed his big toe and it was terribly inflamed and swollen. Emery's father suggested that he lance it, clean it out and bandaged it to relieve the, the pain and, and help with its healing. And, and so the, the porter finally agreed and, and as he told Emery about it, he burst out in tears again and Emery asked, did it hurt that much? He said, no, it, it didn't hurt at all, it's, and it feels a lot better now. And so Emery asked them, why are you crying? Well, said the porter, while he was dressing my toe, your, your daddy asked me if I loved the Lord Jesus. I told him my mother did, but I didn't believe like she did. And, and then he told me that Jesus loved me and, and died for me. And as I saw your daddy bandaging my dirty old foot. I saw a love that came from Jesus. And I knew that I could believe it. So we got down on our knees and we prayed. Now I know that I am important to Jesus and that He loves me. With that, he started crying again. Happy and unashamed. And when his, thought, when his sobs finally subsided, he exclaimed, You know, boy, kindness can make you cry. Well, my friends, kindness can make you cry. But that story, that's a, that's a part of what taking up the cross of Jesus is all about. We love others as Jesus loved us. We don't try to repeal the great commandment or the great commission. We try to live them out. And I know we backslide from time to time just like Peter did. But, but when we do, by the grace of God, we pick ourselves up. We dust ourselves off. And even more importantly, we hoist the cross of Christ back onto our shoulders and we seek to live the life that Jesus lived. For you see, we are called to follow Him. That is who we are. And that is what we do. And in all things, we give God the glory. Amen. We're going to sing a hymn of invitation, Amazing Grace, a favorite of many of ours and one that tells our story and tells the story of Peter. It tells the story of one who boldly proclaims Jesus as Messiah and then scolds him and then becomes the solid rock upon which Christ built his church. It is the story of each of us as we take strides forward and then take steps backwards. But God loves us all the while and gives us second chances.
I'm grateful for God's grace. I'm grateful for the second chances and the third chances and the fourth chances and the fifth chances that Jesus gives to each of us. And I hope you're grateful as well. We're giving you a chance now. If you've never met the Lord Jesus Christ, if you don't know the love of God, if you don't know that Jesus really does love you, then today is the day to recognize that fact and to accept Him as your Savior. If you've never made that commitment to Christ, I hope you'll do it today. Maybe God's working in your life in some other way. Maybe you're looking for a church home to be a part of. We invite you to unite with our church today. Or maybe life is just hard and you need a time of prayer. We're here to pray for you and pray with you. If God's dealing in your heart in any way today, we invite you to come as we sing Amazing Grace. Would you come? We have someone here today who would like to uh, unite with our church. Now, what was your name again? <laughs> Betty Sue Hobbs. I, I think I know her for, I've known her for a little while. Um, <laughs> this is my mama. <laughs> and she has come to uh, unite with our church. Um, she's been, been here for quite a while now, and she's decided that you know, it's time, <laughs> and, uh, and we're glad that, sh- that she is, or I'm glad she is, and I hope that you are too. And if you will uh, join me in accepting my mama into our fellowship of faith, would you raise your hand and say an amen? Amen. amen. Welcome, Mom. Thank you. We're glad that you're here, and I know that you'll want to come and uh, speak to her and uh, extend the right hand of Christian fellowship uh, uh, to her, and I'll ask you, you can come and hang out with me down here at the uh, door, and people can give you hugs and handshakes as we, as we leave. Is that all right? Okay. Okay. Let's stand for our benediction. Oh, announcements. Thank you, Nibby. We have some couple opportunities that we want to make you aware of this week. Next, starting next Sunday, we have a new Bible study group that's being uh, taught by Jika Crafton. Many of you know Jika from her beautiful music that she puts out every week, but if you have not uh, been in a Bible study that Jika has led, you're missing a blessing. So those of you that consider yourselves a middle-agers, meet Jika this next Sunday in this classroom right over here at 9.45 a.m. Also, our Wednesday night dinners, there's been a price change, and I ask you to take a look at our worship folder today to know about that. And the following, uh, two weeks from now, the 16th and 17th, the church will be having a fundraiser at Sureway, and there will be ribs, Uh, There's chickens and pork chops for sale, and not only is it a fundraiser for us, but it is an opportunity for us as a church body to show grace and kindness to others. I know for a fact that there is one family that is worshiping with us and is a member of this church because of the fundraiser we had at Sureway. Thank you for being here today. Pastor Tim, let us bow for our benediction. 
We leave here today as Christ committed ones, holding on to the good, loving our brothers and sisters, feeding our enemies. But we need you to go with us, O Lord, for this is a commitment that is larger than our own grace. Travel with us in the steadiness of your embracing presence and in the strength of your enabling power. We pray through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. Thank you.